myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hi, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is Anthony Fink. Anthony's an up-and-coming comic here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but he also has a very diverse background in martial arts, most notably Kenpo and Jiu-Jitsu, music, and coffee making. In this episode, we talk about his work in the oil fields as a roughneck in Midland, Texas, martial arts, and his fear of rejection. Okay, a little bit of apology as the audio is a little off because Anthony has to live in a palatial mansion of an apartment. Also, there is a slight echo. Now, let's get into my interview with Anthony Fink. We are here with my friend and martial artist, musician, and mailroom technician, and boyfriend to a personal chef who keeps walking in the background every so often to grab a sheet. <laughs> Anthony Fink, how you doing today? Good. What's going on, Perry? How you been? I've been all right. I've been doing some gardening. Living. Some gardening. Yeah. Dude, my plant game is no joke. It's not as good as Mallory's. Mallory's way better at gardening than I am, but that's because she has a house and she can actually has a yard. I'm a, I'm an apartment gardener, so I have pots and things like that, which are doing very well. What are you, what are you growing? I have one, two, three, four, five, six hibiscus, two dracenias, and about six coleus. And then I have a bunch of begonias and nasturtium. So you're going all floral. No, no, no edible plants just yet. Well, nasturtiums are edible. It's like watercress. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're fully edible. Flower, leaves, and every, and seeds. Even you can pickle the seeds, and they're like capers. Technically, yeah, you can eat. There is a lot of flowers that are technically edible. Yeah, like like a medley, a vegetable medley of yes. flowers. <laughs> I'm not doing that kind of gardening. I do have a bell pepper plant that's growing, but it's not producing any bell peppers. So I don't know if it's seen though. It might not. It might not be. It's past its time, probably. I started them late, but I was just bored and like had seeds from a bell pepper. I was like, let's see if we can grow them. <laughs> I did that with cantaloupe too. Like I have a cantaloupe plant out there that's vining everywhere. Mallory's is already. I gave Mallory three, and they're already. Like three cantaloupe from hers. Again, outdoing me and making sure I'm aware <laughs> that she's better at gardening than me. Like, hey, that one seed you gave me grew three cantaloupes. Like, awesome. I didn't grow anything. <laughs> so we've been sitting here talking, and you're one of the younger comics in the scene here, like a year or two in. You also mm -hmm. have a lot of different hobbies. You have a lot of different things that you use in your spare time. You do jujitsu martial arts, music, and probably art, and obviously cooking, because when you're seeing as a personal chef. Much so do you, so who's the better cook? Do you think you're a better cook than her, or just do you not even Oh, God, try? no. <laughs> do you, no, I don't, I don't even try to challenge her. She's a better cook. Have you cooked for her? Have I? Yeah, I've, co I've cooked for her a couple of times, but it's uh, it's it, it's head and shoulders different as, as far as... 
you're cooking her like Chef Boyardee ravioli and just like dig in. Yeah. Hold on. I'm going to cook you one of them three minute meals in the microwave tonight. <laughs> Hold on. Daddy's going to make sure your Hot Pocket's perfect. 235. No more of them two minute Hot Pockets, baby. This is a three minute 30 hungry man meal. See, this is, this is an inside <laughs> chef move you didn't know is you set the microwave to 50 and now it cooks at 50% power. Show you a little hack, baby. You press the 30 second button right here. Press it a couple of times. It'll get up to 530. <laughs> you want to reheat this bad boy. Let me show you the magic of the popcorn setting. You just hit the popcorn <laughs> button reheat, and it's 45 seconds of magic. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of like the pre-programmed buttons on a microwave, why is that even a thing? Like, is anyone actually using the popcorn button to heat up their popcorn? People at work do. That Anybody that you can smell burnt popcorn from is using the popcorn button. And that's the worst. You can always tell. That's why I'll never do microwave popcorn. That's one thing I will do. I have an air popper from what my family calls a white trash white elephant. But one year my dad put his old 1984 air popper in there and I got it. And I still have it because I will not use microwave popcorn. I don't want the, the fat that is probably altered in not even real fat, not even real lard, because it's got to hold up in a microwave. That probably is flammable if you just put regular oil. Yeah. So it's going to have some sort of chemicals in there that, one, probably shouldn't be in your body. And that's... Plus, popcorn doesn't have that same crunch out of the microwave. Like, it just feels soft. It feels fake. Yeah, it will just feel yeah, so soft and, like, like it's wet. Like, almost like your popcorn was made in, like, a mist. And so it's got that sogginess to it. And I hate soggy popcorn. My grandmother used to put her popcorn in milk and drink it. And I was, it was just mortifying to me to have <laughs> no. that. It just, that oh, no. texture of wet popcorn is just so gross to me. It's really funny that y'all had a popcorn popper pop out at your white elephant. Because ironically enough, my fam, my dad's side of the family did a white elephant the last time I went to the family Christmas. The last two that I went mm -hmm. to, two years in a row. There was this, um, the first year it was the popcorn maker and the person that got it, the first person that had to go up was my uncle who hates popcorn, like can't eat it. Not because he doesn't like the flavor, but he can't eat it like whatever the kernel or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he spent the entire white elephant trying to pawn off the popcorn maker and ended up having to settle with it. Well, the next year comes around and the old man held on to the popcorn maker for that whole year and re-gifted yeah. it at that second. That's what the <laughs> beauty of a white elephant is. If you got something that year, you could re-gift it. But it sounds like he has diverticulitis, probably. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. my grandmother got that, and that was she loved popcorn, and that was one of the most heartbreaking things that happened to her. Like She was never the same after that, because she would always have popcorn. Like on Friday night, she would pop popcorn, mm -hmm. and that was her one of her favorite things. And... To not have that or seeds of any kind anymore was kind of a harsh. That's like a whole different kind of rejection, right there. Yeah, that's a when you when your body when your body's rejecting things that you love. Yeah, I try to keep. I don't eat super healthy, but I don't try to eat super artificial either. Like there will be times I'll eat fast food, but it's very rare. I try to cook for right. myself. I don't drink a lot of soda with artificial flavoring most of my sodas have to have real sugar i was like i'll yeah. get i'd rather have diabetes than a lot of mixed chemicals and it's one of those things where you won't know until like 10 years later they'll be like oh by the way just like saccharin nutrasweet it's not it's like a dirty secret well it's not a dirty secret nobody it's just, knows what any of this stuff really does to you until we're 
we're literally just like a science experiment on a lot of this new stuff because they don't know what the long-term effects are until you correct because they don't want to wait to rit it's something that they can make millions off of it's mm-hmm. the new it's the new sugar alternative so you can eat sweets but not have the sugar exactly in that situation it's better to have the sugar eat the sugar yeah <laughs> No, here, either eat this sugar or eat this thing that we made that has 150 different active ingredients that taste like sugar. And it's like, mm, I'll just eat the sugar. <laughs> so before you started comedy, you were telling me that you worked in an oil field for six years. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Yeah. Because I, you just don't seem like an oil field worker because I guess maybe because you're so slight and because you don't wear Ed Hardy tees and you don't have glittery jeans. It might surprise you, but I never fit in in the oil field at all. What? <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the big problems the whole time. Was they're like, man, this doesn't really seem like your line of work is like, it's not, but it pays good. <laughs> it's really, I mean, it was it was a rewarding experience because it taught a lot of good hardworking values. But the the style of people that you get in the oil field, a lot of the time, not all, like there's still people that I talked to from it that were a little bit more. They, they weren't like your typical oil field worker, but if there was anyone past, you know, like the third level on the, on the block and up, like everyone, once you got past one position, everyone from then on up was that traditional, like Ed Hardy pants wearing alpha know, Oakley's. So many alphas. <laughs> that's, that's why I didn't, I don't think I could have worked in there one besides the fact that I can't lift more than 70 pounds, but also because there's so many alphas that it's just, because to do that kind of work, you yeah. have to want to be an alpha male of sorts. Well, you have to be an alpha male mm-hmm. in, a, in, in some kind of regard. And not necessarily, it doesn't have to even be like an outwardly one. You just have to be able to hit that, that mind frame where when, because you'll, you'll come into a day, and it's 12-hour days every day, every day. And there's no break. There's no scheduled breaks, at least. You get a break when you got time. You eat when you got time. So you end up sacrificing a lot of health and nutrition when you're doing those kind of jobs because there's no, you know, like you, you don't know what to pack Yeah. because you don't know if you're going to be tripping pipe. You don't know if you're going to be drilling. I mean, you, you have an idea, but anything can happen. So some days you'll come in and it's like, oh shit, why are we tripping? And like, that's, you start your morning off at six o'clock in the morning and it's like, oh great. So I don't get to eat today. Awesome. So what is tripping pipe, even though you keep saying tripping, which makes me think of the other kind of tripping, which you should not do in an oil field whatsoever. Not used to. People used to a lot. I, I came in. See, that's the most disappointing fact of my oil field careers. I came in when drugs weren't prevalent anymore. <laughs> it was frowned upon. And it was like, well, this is lame. <laughs> this is terrible. Everyone's sober out here and has a Bible. <laughs> Everyone's an alcoholic outside of shift and that was it but tripping pipe was is like a guaranteed all day affair usually but it's when you are for whatever reason usually either if you're at the end of your well however far you're drilling to sometimes 12 16,000 feet below mm-hmm. the ground you have to take all that pipe back out of the ground so tripping pipe is whenever you have to retrieve it all out so and it's it's 45 foot long um, we call them joints of drill pipe or 30 feet long if you're on a triple and you would have three three pieces of pipe in one and you'd rack those back in the derrick so they, that's when you see like you drive past the highway and you see all that stack of pipe that's sitting next to the mm-hmm. the giant metal structure that's when they're tripping pipe 
on a triple, they just leave it stacked. The first rig did it differently where they just retrieved each piece and then laid it down away from the derrick. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a completely different process, but either which way, no matter what, you're taking, you know, thousands of feet of drill pipe out of the ground and then you got to put it either all back in or whatever the next product. You could be running casings, uh, doing a cement job. There's so many different variables to it, but if you're tripping, it was either coming out or back in and it was always never fun. <laughs> it was either boring or it was like, uh sacrificing meals today and we're going to eat Vienna sausages. (laughs) And that's the, yeah, no, it's the worst. It really is like the, the health habits when you're working that job are not great because like the food access that you have, you have to find something that you can eat fast if you need to. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately Vienna sausages is like the cheapest, quickest venue that people have found generationally passed down. Because uh, I, I asked him, I was like, what do you do when you can't eat? They're like, oh, I just get a can of these. It's like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Has your girlfriend seen a can of Vienna sausages since y'all started dating? No. When I walked off the rig last time I walked off, I was like, I'm never touching another one of those things again. And I have not. <laughs> I have not. I refuse. Yeah. Because you, you seem like you you're, you definitely have embraced a healthier lifestyle now that you're not doing that. You see, you seem very yeah. much into fitness and nutrition and martial arts, which, yeah. because you're such a mellow person, I would have never tagged you as a martial artist just because you just seem so calm that I just would not think of you as doing something, I guess, violent or, you know, to, to re- uh, some sort of, you know, violent release to it. So how did, when did you start doing martial arts? I, well, I, I did martial arts when I was a kid. I actually, I have a brown belt in Kenpo. And yeah, <laughs> inspired by the movie Three Ninjas, Anthony Fink. Does yeah, pretty. You know, legit. I actually, I just sold all my DVDs except for a select few that I was like, these are the classics. I'm not getting rid of these. One of them was Three Ninjas. <laughs> I kept Three Ninjas. Yeah, but yeah, no, actually, Kenpo was in, uh, that was like my first passion. I didn't do anything until six years ago. I, I started getting involved in jujitsu. I did wrestling in high school too, so I had a little bit of experience with that, but. Jiu-Jitsu was six years ago, and it was funny enough, my tattoo artist was the one that brought me in because I met him when I lived down in Weatherford and started getting tattoos when I would be off work. And then he would always talk about going to the gym and going to do jiu-jitsu. And I had no idea what it was, really. I mean, I had heard it, but he kind of just egged me on enough times to, to come join him. And my excuse was always like, well, if I ever move to Fort Worth, I'll check it out. Well, mm-hmm. I moved to Fort Worth five years ago from Weatherford and he's like, well, no more excuses. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll go check it out. It's one of those things where once you do it, you just either you enjoy it and it's fun or you're like, yeah, no, that's not for me. (laughs) Like there's there's really no gray area when it comes to it. So is your tattoo artist really proficient at jujitsu or is he just so bad that he just needed? Okay. I didn't know if he was like really proficient (laughs) and he just, or he just was like really (laughs) sucky. He's like, I need to find somebody that I can beat for a little while just to taste victory. Oh no, he's been kicking my ass since day one. (laughs) Still kicking your ass. Still kicking my ass. Like a little less and less. (laughs) <laughs> like, did he not have a little brother or something? Was he like the little bro- youngest brother? And so now he just has to have that older brother's fantasy of just keeping somebody else down. He's just, yeah, pretty much. You know, just like a little like, hey, come on, man. Like, well, I haven't seen you at the lunch classes in a while. And it's like, yeah, wonder why. 
dude. Let oh me eat. man, it's been, it's kind of it's kind of easy to avoid, but he knows when the vacation days are coming up. It's like, hey, it's holiday season. You're coming out for lunch classes, right? It's like, damn. <laughs> are you sure he's not in love with you and he just wants to hold you, like squeeze you <laughs> ever so tightly and just kind of just cuddle you, just cuddle you in the most aggressive <laughs> way. Slowly constrain the love out of you. So, what belt are you in jujitsu? I'm a. I just got my purple belt last year, so I've I've been doing it for six years now, and it's been yeah. I did blue belt for for the first two 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 and a half years. I was my white belt, and it took a while because I was I was still working on the rigs. I was still in the oil field at the time, mm-hmm. so you didn't have as much time to commit. No, it was well. I mean, I did I did when I was off, but it was every four weeks it was broken up. Yeah, so. It sucked because you would leave for four weeks to just get, you know, completely mentally and physically, you know, messed with basically. And then I would come back and forget everything that I was taught. Well, you're working 12 hour days. There's a mental fatigue that goes into that, especially when you're working on something very high, high risk as an oil field. You have to be on basically almost adrenaline alert level alert for 12 hours. That's got to be. And mentally just completely no wonder you take two uh, to four weeks off because you're just so completely exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you're spent. So compare the two martial arts, Kempo versus jujitsu. Which do you like better? Jujitsu, hands down. Really? <laughs> every every time, hands down, yeah. It feels a lot more like it's a better workout first of all. And then it was also like Kenpo. I barely remember it too well. It was, it was a long time. I was when I was like, I'd say like fourth to fourth to seventh grade, maybe mm-hmm. I did that. And that was, and it left with disappointment because the whole reason why I stopped doing Kenpo and didn't get my black belt was because my parents ran out of money. So it was, it's always been like a disappointment where I was like, I was a first strike brown belt in Kenpo and I don't get to say black belt. It's so frustrating. <laughs> but you know, that's why we do jujitsu. We got to find the one that we like the most and do it ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, 15 year process at the end, usually in order to get your black belt in jujitsu. But it's, uh, we're, we're almost at the halfway point. Well, congratulations at getting halfway there. Appreciate it. But yeah, it's definitely the better one. Hands down. I was just curious since you've done martial arts, you would have to try to see where you rank on those. And I just, I feel like jujitsu is a lot of just exploiting how bad you are through pain. Just like, oh, feel that? Feel that? That's because you let your guard down. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you find out what your strengths are in your opponent, and you exploit. You find out what their weaknesses are, and you find a way to exploit. And, it's, you know, sometimes it's like a bait and switch. You know, I, a lot of it, sometimes you'll let someone feel confident enough that they've got better positioning just to like set a trap for them. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's kind of like a, a, it's a physical chess match basically. So it's more, there's more mind games too. That's, that's definitely going to help too. If you have to try to plan oh, yeah. and then strategize, like after you fought him a couple of times, like he's oh, going to yeah. go for this and then you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You'll, you'll be in a chain of like 10, five or 10 different moves ahead that you're thinking of. Cause it's like, all right, I'm going to be right here. Then he, I mean, you have to just like, no, like I'm going to go this way next and have your three escape plans, your three submission ideas. And, mm-hmm. and you kind of just like, it's kind of like building a, a chain in a video game where it's like, I'm going to launch this attack combo. Bam. And yeah. then you see which one had the better strategy. 
So my podcast is about fears and you picked a fear that's, I think, near and dear to everyone's heart because everybody has a moment where they're, where they feel that. And Mm -hmm. go ahead and tell me what your fear is. Well, fear is rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think every guy or every girl, like any social situation where they want to maybe up the game and go and escalate to dating, you feel that nerve of asking them out or being asked out, you know, Mm-hmm. Is he? Why is he not asking me out? If you're on the other end of that spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, how do you how, handle it when they do ask you? It's like, oh, what do I say? Like, like do, uh, do you paint this picture of it's going to be so romantic that he, you know, is going to have all the right words, be able to explain his feelings for you, and then you'd be like, yes, me too, or hey, like, why does he feel the same way? Do they feel the same way? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, for and it's then all, that, it all ties back to. That's exactly how it is. Like every time, like mm-hmm. yeah. So it's. I mean, that's kind of why. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the only reason why I do what I do, but it's definitely a big part of it. Like it, it removes a lot of those working in the oil field for so long. Removed the rejection of being. Uh, you know, I grew up poor, so mm-hmm. working in the oil field completely changed that feeling of rejection of being on the, of being in the poor people's club where I don't get to have nice things and I always get to just look at the. You know, oh, cool. That that just came out. I'll never get to enjoy that that feeling of being on the outside inspired me just no i want to have the nice things i don't care what i yeah. gotta do to get it i'm gonna get it that reminds me of my dad because my dad grew up in beaumont and oh. everybody else stayed home but he's like i want more yeah. i want more and that resonated you know i have yeah i have a desire and drive from them but i'm not like trying to fortune 500 I enjoy what I do yeah. and I have time management to be able to afford the lifestyle I live. And it's not yeah. the greatest lifestyle. There are definite improvements I have made during this quarantine that probably could have been made years ago that I just didn't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I just enjoy how I live. I enjoy the time management. What was your first memory of rejection that made this kind of, I guess, the fear? Oh, man. First, first ever, like in general? Yeah, the one that really kind of or, sticks with you, I would say. The one that that if you, well, that is embodiment of rejection. So when you think about rejection, what is the memory that comes to mind? There's so many. It's hard to choose one. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> that's, it's like, which one do I go with? But that's every fear, it's too. Like you have three. this whole, like, hall of mirrors that you go through in your mind of bad instances. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, staring at all the horrible options. Like when they have the 80s movie montages of building yourself up. In my mind, I yeah. have the one that, but it's just tearing yourself down. Like it's just, you're the worst. Yeah. You're the absolute worst. And whatever that fear is, it just manifests into like all these like terrible. It's like, hey, this pretty girl's talking to you, but you, don't you have to fart right now? It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't you have to. Gross. She's going to smell it. No. <laughs> terrible though that constant fear of like it's not going to work out the way you want it to or it's not going to work out period or you can't have it because like you don't qualify for it yet whatever the reason you're going to get turned away at the door or whatever you know application you're trying to apply yourself into you know it's that, that fear of rejection can manifest in so many different ways and that's why there's so many possible memories that you can kind of mm-hmm. attribute it to where it's like that's yeah it's a big fear because that's it's so common it's a real, it's a, it's, it's real, you know, it happens. It's not like a, an illegitimate, not necessarily to 
say that other fears are illegitimate, but this is a much more like just daily kind of fear that people will go through. I mean, you spend the whole day. Most people do at least. I know I do. Like in some degree, there's an approval and rejection on a daily basis. Yep. So I'm going to make you pick one. You can talk all you want. I'm going to go with the original one. Okay. And, and talk about the first time I was ever rejected on uh, just like, just I guess genuinely say being me, like just being like loving and caring and sharing. Like that was like my sister when she stopped wanting to be cool with me. Like she went to school and she got off the bus and mm-hmm. came home from her first day at school. And I was like, sister time, yay. <laughs> I came running outside and she just was like, yeah. nah. <laughs> My friends are on that bus, and I don't want them to see me with your nerd ass. And it's like, what is going on? Like, I've never been turned away by my sister before. She's always been, like, my best friend. And then it was, like, done, and it was, like, oh, <laughs> like, damaging. So then it also is funny because that, that rejection led to my first feelings of, well, what do I do to get back at her? Because she will reject me. Like, what do I got to do to get back at her? For this? And so I, would, I, I knew that it would bother her when I did that. So my my response to that rejection was every day she gets off that bus. Now I'm going to go run out there and embarrass her until she gives me a hug. <laughs> so that's interesting that that's how the sibling rivalry kind of came about is that it was just basically one day. And now you're like, now it becomes this game of escalation between you and your sister of who can be, who can take their frustration for their situation out on the other. And so you're yeah. frustrated because your sister won't hang out with you anymore. It's kind of closed you off. And so you uh-huh. become even more outgoing, you know, so, even go further into the I annoying would, brother. I would put on like crazy outfits and I would run out there and be like, sister! <laughs> I wear like a costume or something. Oh yeah, I was bad about it. And I was only five when I did that. Wow. Because like, uh, she's only a year and six months older than me. So she just, so she was, Two, two graduation years ahead of me, but only a year and a half older because I was the older end of the spectrum and she was on the younger end of her spectrum where mm-hmm. she was like young for her graduating class and I was old for mine. Like mm-hmm. I was I was 18 my senior year most of high school. It's like, <laughs> you'd have like people that were in my class that were like, I want to date you. And then I would get told like, you can't do that. You're 18 and she's 17. And it's like, what is this garbage? We're all in high school. <laughs> And I still feel like you wear the crazy outfits for your sister. I feel I've seen oh, I've yeah. seen your Daisy Dukes and I've seen your Tom Sawyer shorts and the Hooters ones or the the <laughs> the, the, the denim ones. The denim ones, the Tom Sawyer, <laughs> like you've been rafting. Oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you just spent a whole day tubing in South Texas and decided you're gonna come do comedy today with your flip flops. You were flip-flops right now. i remember the first time mike had got on me for wearing flip-flops and i got rejected for wearing like my comfy clothes and i was like i like it <laughs> so now you so you pursue have all these other pursuits and i guess you make it a point to try to curb rejection like you said for money you don't want to you don't want to be able to be rejected for being poor so you've worked in oil fields and to, to be successful so that they can't reject you on the basis of income or at least yeah. subconsciously you've kind of done that and then martial arts so that they can't reject well you might just take out your frustration of being rejected 
out on the mat for anything. Well, I can't be. It, it reduces the the uh, the problem of being physically um, rejected in regards to like being intimidated. You know, mm-hmm. like no one can do that. I literally like no one can you know use that posturing or you know fear of like I'm bigger than you. It's like that's cool. I can still roll you on your head. <laughs> like I don't care who you are or how big you are. I know what I can do, and so that completely changes the dynamic that a lot of people like to mm-hmm. use. Like the 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 power of rejection is strong when you have the power, what you think is the power. Mm-hmm. And what jujitsu kind of does is it removes that societal fake, you know, like ah, you think you have the power to to do that and make the rules, but in the real world. Without your rules, it's like, no, I'm the one that's in control of this moment. You don't get to, like, you're not rejecting me. I'll reject you out of the conversation. And that's that conference. So have you thought about being a motivational speaker? Oh, God, yeah. Just, But I don't have a platform big enough for you. <laughs> doing, like, a jujitsu-style motivation? Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Like, that's what we're, that's what me and Jen have been talking about doing, is we just want to travel and do that and you know, be motivational speaking, like just go to places and just be like, yeah, this is what we do. And this is how we, you know, like, tell me what you, tell me what troubles you. This is what I did. And then kind of offer, you know, for me, I would be teaching jujitsu, pouring espressos because I like making coffees and, you know, just kind of doing what actually makes me happy. And we're going to get a travel trailer and just Mm kind of go to places and be like, what's up? Who wants some good coffee, yoga and jujitsu lessons? (laughs) <laughs> so you're a bar- so basically you're a barista is what you're telling me. I'm a I'm I'm gonna be a jujitsu barista. Okay. Be like, hey, I'm gonna serve you a coffee and then I'm gonna kick your ass. <laughs> I don't know if caffeine and then the mat is a good idea. In all fairness, I wouldn't suggest anyone use my diet plan when it comes to doing jujitsu in the first place because I eat a questionable amount of guacamole shortly before most classes and then spend it like just like oh. <laughs> heavy <laughs> is it homemade guacamole i used to but central market's got it pre-made okay so you like, so you yeah. so you're a big fan of the central market guacamole oh god yeah it's so it's like five bucks and they give you a biggest like tub of it and it's like okay. oh yeah it's just like homemade so that's like my pre 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 jujitsu snack basically so, <laughs> you gear up on chips and guacamole before i <laughs> I do chips and guac, and then I'll drink a coffee usually. <laughs> is it is your pre-fright ritual like someone else just takes the last scoop of guacamole? Like who took the last guacamole, or someone double dip a chip, or someone double <laughs> dips a chip? <laughs> and now you're just in a, you're just in a frenzy. You double dipped a chip. It's like part of my trap is I just offer chips and guac to somebody, and they're like, "But there's only one helping left." And it's like, "Yeah, no, go ahead, have it." <laughs> So how would you help other people, I guess, to, you know, use jujitsu, but to just kind of have that kind of confidence in a situation? What advice would you have that doesn't say, you know, do martial arts? What, how do you get into that mindset for, you know, that fear of re- well, to get over that fear or kind of curb it? I feel like you have to find a way to get past that fear in your own way, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But like for me, it was jujitsu. Being able to uh, spend a lot of time whether it being physically or financially feeling inferior to mm-hmm. a lot of people. So you, really what it would be is finding what makes you feel inferior and find out what you can do to change that. Mm-hmm. It was pretty easy for me. I mean, if I feel physically inferior, get bigger or get better at martial arts. I mean, it's 
is a simple response, but a lot of it is just actually going out there and doing it or finding, seeking the information and finding out, you know, what it is that really, like, if it bothers you, do something about it, kind of. You know, it doesn't have to be this debilitating thing that, you know, makes you bed stricken to do something, something simple. You know, I, I could have one conversation that makes me feel inferior, and then that could be what inspires me to go take a class, for, for example. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the best way to get over any fear is just to find out, or at least identify that it is what it is. Say like, yo, I've, I've you know, I've got a, I've got a problem with this, and then find the solution, whatever it might be, something that you're good at, or yeah. something you've been curious about that might lead to, uh, to getting over it finally. To me, I would say it's something that inspires introspection. For me, it was comedy because you have to look at your life. Yeah. And kind of make peace with some of the choices that I have made that probably have hindered me. Mm-hmm. And to to be able to own those things and to own the person you are rather than try to hide that person. You actually yeah. embrace the fact. Because if I don't know if you've watched a lot of new comics, but to me, I can tell a new comic because they're trying to be something they're not. And until until they get over that hump of trying to be always the winner, or if they want to be self-deprecating, always the loser, mm-hmm. that's when you don't. That's where you you're gonna stay until you have a moment where, as a self-deprecating guy, I started with it was awful because I would just beat myself up, and at that point, it's almost like watching a, a UFC match or something where. One guy is way underclass the other and is just at this point getting beaten to a pulp and the ref's not stopping the fight. And so that's what I feel like when you're super self-deprecating, you don't win, that at some point you're that guy that's just getting pummeled and no one's stopping mm-hmm. the fight and everybody in the crowd just like, you know, cringing. Or you're like uh, <laughs> or you're like Jim Carrey and Liar Liar beating the shit out of yourself in the bathroom in the corner of the ring. Just yeah. like, what is this guy doing? He's like, he's beating himself up. Yeah, but it, it just it there's a societal thing of when you come to a show is the audience wants you to win. They're on your side. And so when you keep mm-hmm. self-deprecating and beating yourself up and being negative to yourself, you're taking away from them laughing because now they don't want to laugh because now they feel bad for you. And you've generated this whole emi- you know, this whole vibe of you know, they want to help you. They they don't want to laugh at you anymore. They want to hold you and tell you it's okay. And that's what... You're right. And then on the other side is then you have the people that feel like... I feel like it's the oil rig worker, the alpha. They're trying to be the alpha when they're not. And so it's this this yeah. high school bravado of, I'm the cool guy. You get to, I get to talk now and you get to see how cool I am. And they talk about mm-hmm. all these topics that don't fit who they are because yeah. that's not who Everybody you are. Everybody smell right through the fakeness. Yeah, and so there's a, a part in comedy that's a mental jujitsu, if you will, of just basically pinning yourself down and emotionally and just basically admitting to the fact that, okay, you know, maybe I'm not the guy that gets all the girls at the bar. I'm not the yeah. guy I'm not the guy that does jokes of so I was having sex with this girl last night. No, that's not me. I don't do that. It's not something that's in my in my wheelhouse of life. And it doesn't have right. to be. You don't have to talk about it to make jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everybody everybody goes to those same, like, you know, sex, dating, money, you know, I'm poor. And 
then they don't go, give me any more about their life. And they don't realize that they need to dig deeper and give me that one little extra piece of their life that no one else has. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of interesting. Like, it, like it, if you do the basic stuff, it's been done. Yeah. You know, obvious. Okay. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. You enjoy sex. Okay. Who doesn't? Oh, you, you like drinking? Cool. Okay. So does everyone else. Like, I, as someone who's afraid of rejection, for you to take up stand up. <laughs> Boy. Well, I mean, that's part of it is because at the end of the day, nobody wants to reject themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you for doing this, Anthony. Um, where can people yeah, find you on social media? Well, right now you can find me at Fort Worth Fella mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Okay. And uh, on is Facebook it, by my first and last name. Anthony Fink is your first and last name. But how many Instagram handles do you have? Because I feel like you and Jorge Cortez are having a death race to see how many different Instagram names. Because well, you had Mediocre well, Comedic, you had Anthony Fink, BJJ, whatever. Then you have Fort Worth Fella. Well, see, so I... It's funny, yeah. I, I do have all those other accounts, but they're all cross-linked to the main one on Fort Worth Fella. But it's because I, I have so many other things that I do do, and mm-hmm. I was trying to please like, the fans separate content. Well, because it's weird when a comedy page is sharing jujitsu stuff. Like I can mm-hmm. combine them all once I have a big enough voice that I can be like, "Yeah, I'm doing jujitsu today." Before my open mic, then people yeah. be like, "Yeah, that's awesome." But like, if I'm just a person that's trying to get a following, it's harder to do when you have inconsistencies. Hmm. And it's like, well, is this guy a comedian or does he do jujitsu or does he do cooking? Like, what does he what does he do? Yeah, I just and think I'm not interesting enough yet to, oh. to do that. See, I, I approach it the opposite <laughs> way. I'm like, these are the things I do. I can't I can't separate you guys because I want you guys to know. I feel like then I've lied to you if you don't know about the fact that I do comedy. And so only my jujitsu friends don't realize it. And I feel like you're, you're hindering your following by keeping them separate because then jujitsu guys feel left out when you, you're in comedy. Like, oh man, I would have come since all your sets. So and now you've lost an audience potentially of people that you interact closely with on a daily basis or, you know, and so, I mean, I keep my Facebook jointed yeah. and everything on there. Which mostly everybody at least stays on there, but at least as far as right, like it literally it won't it won't be very long. I mm-hmm. mean, once the audience gets even just a couple thousand, then it'll be a, a jointed one where it's like, yeah, no, I do all these things right wow. now. So it's in order to build that initial groundwork, it's just a new development strategy basically to kind of test it. It was working at first. I grew a lot of those pages up to like two, three hundred followers within you know, a couple of weeks and then I just kind of lost steam on them because it is exhausting running so many social media pages. Even if it's like, I had to change so many strategies. It's not fun. I hate social media. My like first goal is to like hire someone to do it for me. (laughs) Well, I thank you for doing this again and uh, hopefully we can integrate all your social media into one big following as you evolve and, become a con- the jujitsu comic where you just have crap you do crowd participation do jujitsu on stage with jokes do it, uh, who wants to see me choke this person yeah. huh? anybody <laughs> every girl raises their hand just go <laughs> <laughs> like like just to the roof <laughs> yes please yes please uh, that'd be wonderful oh oh god
Well, thanks again, yeah. Anthony. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks again for having me, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, all right? So that was Anthony Fink. What I found really interesting is, is how Anthony takes steps to stave off rejection by focusing on many different things. Like he just kind of keeps it not just one focus. I think that's a really nifty idea. Also, it's interesting how fears like rejection are usually implanted by someone close to us. In this case, it was his sister. I wonder how many fears or hesitations in my life are created by an event with someone I've had a lot of trust or caring about that just has had a lasting impression on me. I mean, I know of a couple, but you sometimes some of these just come bubbling to the surface out of nowhere. Why are we so afraid of the word no? That the idea of being told it for some reasons is enough to not even let us make an attempt. There have been times that that's been true for me, especially when it comes to dating or making a move out in public on a on someone that I have interest in. I've rarely made that move because I was afraid of being told no. And I thought, and just the thought of that was enough to keep me from making a move. It's a very powerful fear because it's also one of those ones that keeps you from acting in the moment. But then after the fact, you sit there and you mope about it. Like you just regret not making that, that action. You wonder what could have been. I will say some good news, though. I was excited to see my first review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. I appreciate the review. It's nice to read others' appreciation for what I'm doing, and it inspires me to keep improving on what I'm doing already. I have some great interviews coming up this month, and I'm excited for all the episodes we've got upcoming. Comedy-wise, I'm getting back into the swing of things. I'm still adjusting. I've written a few new things, and so I can't wait to get back to all these open mics that are coming up. I try to do it as safely as possible, stay in the back of the room, wear a mask. But once you start again, it's, it's almost like an addiction, and I love it. I have some shows coming up in November. I'll be working with Chris Porter. Um, I have a corporate show this month, so I'm excited for that. But I have completed a couple more interviews on this podcast, and I tend to keep going at it. I've got lots of interviews done, lots of editing to do. All right, some credits and thank yous for people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does all my graphic design work. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite, W-H-I-T-E-H-2-O, the letter. On Instagram, that's Barry Whitewater, get it, H-2-O. He's an amazing comic and graphic artist, so check him out. Also, music. A big thanks to Gunnar Olsen, who provides the music for this podcast. You can check out his website, GunnarOlsen.net. Check out all his music. He's got some great EPs. Also, you can follow him on Instagram at GunBuns. I love his coast-to-coast jam sessions with other musicians. It's really cool to listen. If you want to follow me on social media... My social media is at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I implore you to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Some Fear Fans. S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S. You can also check out our website, someofallfears.com. Leave us a review if you would like on iTunes. If you want suggestions for the show. You can leave them on the reviews, or you can email me directly. Or if you want to be a guest, shoot me an email at somefearfans at gmail.com. That's going to do it for this week. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Until then, thanks for listening, and have a great week.